0: I'm Dr. Jody Richardson, and you're listening to Well, Hello Anxiety, a podcast where we end the struggle with anxiety and build our toolkit of practical skills to thrive. She's an author, co-host of the Psychologists Off the Clock podcast, a wife, a mum, and a dog lover, just like me. Debbie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you, Jody. It's so nice
0: to be here. I'm really. Grateful that you have me on. Thank you. It's a big issue and has been labeled an epidemic. And I know that it's not a simple experience and it's not a simple solution. So I'm really thankful to you to helping us understand more about it. You write the cycles of burnout. Can you start by explaining those to us today? I have a bit of a cold. So please pardon
1: my voice. I think it's really important with burnout to recognize that it is complex. It's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all type of experience. But there are some patterns that we see. And, and I think the cycle of burnout always starts with chronic stress. It's in a context of chronic stress. And as you mentioned earlier, I think we traditionally think of it as workplace stress. And in fact, that's what the World Health Organization definition focuses on. But any chronically stressful area of life, we can experience burnout. So it could be something more personal that is a chronically stressful role that that we're in but the the cycle always starts with that and then what happens is that of course when we're chronically stressed we're going to feel that you know we're going to experience that stress we're going to you know we're going to feel that in our emotions and in our body that's normal and i think stress is part of life you know the goal in life Sometimes chronic stress is is very systemic, and we want to take a look at whether there's something that we need to change. But it's very normal to have a reaction to that. But I think what often happens, and this is what I see a lot in my burnout work, is that that is kind of at its core what happens, right? Is that we we're stressed and we feel it, but often we get kind of dug in deeper with chronic stress, where we. Do things not necessarily on purpose or consciously. We do things that kind of keep that cycle going sometimes. And this is where my acceptance and commitment therapy background really comes out. Sometimes we do things because we don't like the way that we feel when we're stressed that actually exacerbate the problem and kind of keep us locked into that. So I don't know if it might be helpful for me to give a few examples of that. Okay. So for instance, I, and and these are just probably going to sound familiar because we all probably do some of these at some point. So one thing we might do is try to outwork stress, right? So I have a to-do list a mile long and I just think, okay, I'm going to work super hard and be as busy and hardworking as I can. And at some point I'm going to get through that to-do list and I'm going to feel better. But being in that very hardworking, like sort of overworking, overly busy cycle, that keeps us locked in because that to-do list never seems to get quite mastered. Sometimes we might do something like have a stressful day at work and go home and have a couple of drinks to take the edge off of the stress and that works for a few hours, but then the next day we might be more tired and more prone to stress and anxiety. You know, you might just not sleep as well, or maybe you were even planning to get a couple of things done that night that would actually legitimately help you, but then the night sort of goes by in a, in a blur. Yeah. So something like that, we might even get into cycles of perfectionism, cycles of procrastination. And again, we all probably do these things sometimes, but I do think that sometimes when we get into that pattern of trying to control or avoid stress in unhelpful ways, it just locks us in and keeps the cycle going, right? So in the long term, these things tend not to work super well.
0: Mm. It makes perfect sense. And I'm sure there's a lot of nodding going on. And yes, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so interesting and it makes sense. You know, we... We have a stress response and we have it for a good reason, but it's not meant to be chronically activated, is it? No, no.
1: And I think that's kind of the world we live in, unfortunately, is that many of us are just in situations where maybe our job's really demanding or we're under a lot of pressure or we don't have the support and resources we need. And so it's really kind of cultural and systemic. But I think for many of us, that feeling of, that you mentioned earlier, well, maybe I could go to the hospital for a few days, not with anything serious, but just to have a break. I think that's an escape fantasy because sometimes it feels like there's no escape from the chronic stress of just living in the world we're in
0: today. See, and it's sad when you think about that, isn't it? Because life is amazing and it's difficult and it's challenging and it's full of opportunities and it's it's just uh, full of possibility. But it's very hard, I think, when we do get kind of laser focused, especially when work is very demanding and we live in very uncertain times still. Those of us that are parents and and carers and looking after people, there is no stepping out of that role for any length of time. But for people who are in the workplace, there's equally that fear of perhaps losing a job. And so that doubling down, it makes so much sense. And yet, On the face of it, this idea that, that I think about taking regular breaks and investing in ourselves and, and resting and doing things that are fun, doing things that, that we enjoy engaging with people and getting into flow and having opportunities to, to take mindful moments. And all of these things can be sort of woven into, to our lives. But so often it's just about, I've just got to get this done. So often for people, I worry that it just doesn't feel like that almost almost that luxury to do something for themselves even though in the long run it's going to help them with every aspect of their life including their work
1: yeah i fall into the trap myself all the time and you may imagine that i wrote this book in part because i had an experience of burnout years ago and of course have had some burnout since and kind of come and, comes and goes i think but my most severe period of burnout was a number of years ago. But one of the things that I tend to do is to get into that mindset of, well, as soon as I'm caught up on things, then I'm going to start taking weekends off and I'm going to start taking better care of myself and getting a good night of sleep and that kind of thing. And I think I just, I always felt like I was right around the corner from that. Oh, in a couple of weeks, this is going to be done and then I'll feel better and I'll be through my to-do list and then I'll be able to take a break. And I think what I had to come to terms with is that I can't wait for that. If I do, I'll be waiting forever because that list is going to keep going and more things are going to come onto it. And so, yeah, I think sometimes it's exactly what we need the most is very hard to access when we're under a tremendous amount of stress.
0: Debbie, you've written a book to really help people understand and address burnout and you've written it through the lens of acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT as we know and love it and it's a modality that I am incredibly passionate about also. Can you talk to us about when it comes to supporting clients and you work in private practice in Denver, Colorado, so you are seeing people who are experiencing burnout all the time. How is it that you came to find acceptance and commitment therapy makes such a powerful difference when you're working with clients, no matter where they are on that kind of burnout road? Well, I think acceptance and commitment therapy is a good fit for burnout. There
1: are are some research studies to support this, some studies where they looked at, is acceptance and commitment therapy helpful for burnout? And all signs point to what seems to be. There aren't a ton of studies, but there are some. I think the reason it fits for me theoretically, there's a couple things. One is that acceptance and commitment therapy is very contextual. The approach is that all human behavior makes sense in context. And we know from burnout it happens in context. So it happens in the context of chronic stress. We live in this very stressful world. People are experiencing chronic stress. So it's less pathologizing because to some degree, it makes sense that you're feeling this thing we call burnout when this is the way that things are for you. And so I really appreciate that about ACT. It's like you're having a normal human reaction to a hard situation. Makes sense that you feel this way. And then I think that, you know, again, that cycle of burnout we were talking about, I think the idea philosophically behind ACT is that our emotions are okay, we need to make room for them. So instead of struggling against our emotions, let's make room for how we feel. Sometimes there's some wisdom in our emotions, but we can move more toward a place of emotional acceptance, of awareness, So being aware of thoughts that might be keeping us stuck in burnout. We can do some perspective taking. We can do some mindfulness to just help us be more aware and centered. And then there's also the other side of the ACT model, which is at least as important, which is the change side of things, right? So often with burnout, people have really gotten disconnected. That's kind of part of burnout. People are exhausted. They feel like they don't care anymore. And ACT is all about helping people reconnect with their values and reconnect with what's important to them. And sometimes we have to make some changes and they can be hard ones. So for instance, in the case of burnout, sometimes people have to get better at saying no and setting boundaries. They have to maybe change their job. If it's so chronically stressful and there's no way out of that, or if it's not a good fit or something like that, sometimes a pretty drastic change is needed, but sometimes it's even a smaller change. Like you were saying earlier, I need to start getting sleep, taking better care of myself, putting my work down at 5 PM so that I'm not just working constantly or something like that. Sometimes we need to work more towards systemic change. Like the way that my workplace is, is not working for me or I'm having parental burnout. I need help. I need some support. I need someone to help me with the domestic and childcare tasks or caregiving tasks. So. I think what I like about it is that it's complex and it really depends person to person. You know, do you need to work more on the internal piece of it or do you need to make an external change? Well, that's really going to depend person to person, maybe both. Yeah. But I like that the model sort of, it it makes room for all of those things. It does.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave a review. To keep the conversation going, I'd love you to join me over on Instagram. You'll find me at Dr. Jody Richardson. Also, if you'd like a copy of my free five day mini email course, Calm Your Anxious Brain, then jump over to my website, drjodyrichardson.com, and you can sign up down the bottom. I've really enjoyed having your company. Thanks so much. See you next time. Hi there. Dr. Jodie Richardson here. Do you have a child who's feeling anxious about starting school? A tween who's transitioning to high school, or perhaps a teen who's changing campuses in 2024 or changing schools altogether? Transitions can be especially hard for our kids and teens because they go hand in hand with uncertainty. There are just so many unknowns. But what we know for sure is that uncertainty drives anxiety. And so if you have a child or teen who's feeling anxious about school for any reason, it's perfectly understandable. Left unchecked, anxiety around school can lead to a morning off here or a day off there, and these absences can escalate to school refusal, which is why I've created a new online program for parents called, Well Hello School Anxiety. The program will run live over four weeks starting in mid-January, where you'll learn all about the brain, anxiety and how to identify it, exactly what to do and say when anxiety around school shows up, powerful anxiety management strategies, you'll create a custom plan for your child's unique situation, you'll learn how to enrol the school's help, to support your child through the school gate each morning and so much more. You can learn more about this program and secure your place by heading to my website drjodyrichardson.com and clicking through from the top of the homepage. I can't wait to work with you and help make school transitions in 2024 smoother and less stressful for the whole family.